I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. game of 2021 ends in defeat the addicts find themselves in a worrying run of form happy new year everyone So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live, our first show of uh, 2021. So yeah, I do hope you've all had a, a good Christmas, what you what you could make of it, and uh, you're enjoying the start to 2021, uh, a year that promises to be better than last year, although that's not exactly hard, is it? Um, so uh, my name's Louis Mendez, I hope you are well. Uh, joining me on the pod this week then to look back at the defeat uh, yesterday up at the KCOM against Hull City and uh, discuss all the ins and outs of that. First up, we've got Mr. Tom Wallen. How you doing, Tom? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, mate. Yeah, I'm all right, I think. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the best performance yesterday, was it? But nice to have some football back. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was, to be fair. But yeah, no, it was uh, It was a tough performance yesterday up at the cake. I'm also joining us to discuss that one uh, is Lewis Cat. How you doing, Lou? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. And to you, yeah, tough one uh, yesterday, Lewis. Did you, uh, did you watch it? I did, yeah. It was a it was a pretty tough uh, tough bit of viewing, wasn't it? But mm, you know, I'm yeah. sure we're I'm sure we'll delve into it 
deeply over the next hour or so, which I'm sure we're all looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, don't don't let that uh, that that warning there make you turn off the pod or anything. But we are unfortunately going to have to talk about that game uh, at Hull. Uh, only two wins now in nine, isn't it? And uh, or oh, some worrying signs uh, in that performance yesterday. Uh, Darren Prattley red card as well uh, for the uh, the addicts. So we're we're going to hear the highlights briefly of the game shortly. We're here, of course, from the addicts boss at Lee Bowyer, who I spoke to after the game. Uh, we'll hear from you guys. Got some tweets and emails to discuss. We'll talk about the transfer window coming up and, and other stuff that's going around. And then finally, we've got a special guest on the pod uh, this evening as well. Uh, we're going to speak to the club photographer, Kyle Andrews. Uh, anyone who follows him uh, on social media will have noticed that he's brought out his own podcast soon, the Well Balling Podcast. So we catch up with Kyle uh, to find out a little bit about that. Uh, he tells us uh, what, what what's uh, what's on his show. And uh, first guest is, is, of course, Mr. Bradley Pritchard as well. So uh, we'll hear all about that later on. But before we hear... The highlights of yesterday's game, Tom Wallin, uh, 2-0 defeat at Hull, Prattley sent off, um, players playing in positions that they wouldn't always play in, although we'll hear from Bowie uh, later when he describes why that was. Um, but yeah, some some things that, that don't really make sense happened yesterday for a lot of people, uh, and obviously the performance overall uh, left a lot to be desired. Yep, yeah, very bad day at the office, uh, just in general. Um, I tried to kind of sum it up after the game yesterday. I think Hull, uh, you know, I said are a decent side, maybe slightly overstating it, I think, in a league that is generally poor. And I had this debate with uh, Mike Tyson, big Mike Tyson on, on Twitter today. But I think in a league that's largely pretty poor, they're one of the better sides. Uh, and I think the teams that are going to get promoted this year are the are the best of a bad bunch. Uh, and I include us in that because we have got players in in our side that are decent for this level, but too many times this season haven't performed. And I think yesterday was possibly the nadir of that to this point in the season. I, I don't remember a performance that I've been more disappointed with. Uh, as you say, the, the starting formation and team selection was a bit odd. Um, although Boya has explained it, I don't necessarily agree and think he could have possibly changed it quicker when it became clear it wasn't working. Performance itself, just very, very sloppy, not good enough. I mean, the defending was was obviously uh, abysmal, but even going forward, how many times do we just misplace passes and do silly things like that? And Elements of yesterday, Boya was in control of. Elements of it, like those poor passes, he wasn't. But just all round, really, from start to finish, a, a very disappointing day at the office and as I say, one that we've just seen, particularly in recent weeks, a few too many times, unfortunately. Yeah, and only only two wins in nine now, Lewis. And we're still in the top six as it stands. Obviously, there's plenty of teams around us that either have games in hand on us or we have a game in hand on them. So it's still, it's not quite as, as clear-cut as just saying that. But that's where we are currently. And, uh, you know, with, with the form dropping off a cliff at the moment and... You know, defensive injuries we have. I mean, obviously January is coming up on that, and that will need to be addressed. But it's certainly a slightly a, a concerning time at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, I you know it's a real concern at the moment because you you look back at how good our performances were before that international break back in um, I think it was back at early November when we we played Fleetwood. We came back from that and had that disappointing result at Gillingham and, and at Burton Albion, as we all remember. But then bounced back from that and managed to get a good performance in at Ipswich. But we're not really seeming to reach those heights again at the moment. I mean, we had a great sort of second half against AFC Wimbledon a few weeks ago. But apart from that, I mean, we're, we've dropped points to sides that, you know, arguably a lesser opposition. 
the likes of Shrewsbury, the likes of Swindon Town, Plymouth in, in the last few weeks. Um, and they're all going to be concerning signs, especially with defensively. We've, we've spoken about already. You know, I know that we are missing Ryan and and Akin Fenwell as well, which is they're huge misses like they are because I was really impressed with them at the start of the season. But Piercy is a is a season pro, you know. He's he's somebody that that we've called upon over over the last sort of three or four seasons, and he looks a little bit out of sorts at the moment. Whether he was rushed back from his injury or not, I don't know. And the same with with having to force people out of position. You know, Darren Prattley filling in there has done a job um, in some instances. I you know I don't think that he can be knocked for every performance he's put in in that position because I think that he's performed quite well in that position uh, on a handful of times especially but at the moment it's something that just isn't clicking and, and over the last couple of weeks um, especially you know with Plymouth last week as well I wasn't overly sold on the way that we set out so I was really interested to see how we lined up yesterday um, and I was quite disappointed to see that we reverted to a very similar system that didn't work against Plymouth with, with Adam Matthews playing on his weaker side um, it just doesn't really work for me. Pushing Matson into midfield had its pros because he's quite good going forward and has shown a few frailties defensively. But at the same time, we've got all these attacking players on the bench that can make a difference. We saw it with Marcus Madison last weekend. He came on and made something out of nothing. And our performance yesterday, we weren't really creating anything or producing anything. And we needed a moment like that. Um, but we didn't have the personnel on the pitch to do so. We brought Johnny Williams on after a while, but I didn't see a lot, a lot from him. Uh, and it's just a disappointing, another disappointing result, really. I think that one thing that we've said on this show so many times is like a, a Lee Bowyer performance and a Lee Bowyer team. And I think over the last few weeks, we can be guilty of, of not performing to those levels that we've come to expect from a Lee Bowyer side. And that's a bit of a worrying trait at the moment because we haven't seen that. Even when we were, in the relegation zone in the championship last year and we were fighting to stay up. We put in performances, you know, worthy of trying to escape the drop. But at the moment I'm not seeing a reaction and I'm not I'm not seeing any signs that we're sort of we're gonna try and turn it around because at the moment it's a real worrying dip in form and two wins and nine after the start that we had uh, is a is a bit of a worrying stat for me. Yeah, certainly is. Right, let's have a quick listen then to the brief highlights from the KCON Stadium yesterday. Commentators on the Valley Pass Live were, of course, Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith. Buzzing around the ball, trying to nick it off the hole back for and managed to bring it forward. And they're on halfway now. Hull. Ball across here to this near side, but that's cut out by Marks and looks for the early ball to Bogle, but it just didn't have enough on it. And it's cleared away, and uh, Wilkes will pick it up for Hull. Dangerous position on the Left-hand side for Hull, ball into the box, it's taken a deflection, this should be a finish, it is. Well, the defending there, I mean, there's a couple of players who are totally free in the first place, Wilkes. I mean, I think Gunter had just made an, oh, trying to make an overlapping run when Martson picked it up and conceded possession. There's a ball forth and Greece finds Wilkes in acres of space, that forces down practically to come out of defence. But then at the far post, it takes a deflection. And Anil Aikens at the far post, no one marking him at all to convert. I mean, he was slightly fortunate the way it fell to him, but the chance defending was, was awful. Wilkes is able to pick it up in space. Prattley should probably close him a little bit quicker. It deflects back off of, I think maybe Eves, onto Ben Amos, who dives, and it comes comfortably for Adelaide, who he, he just had a free tap in at the far post. But 
From a child perspective, it's a Smaller really, really pass short to Honeyman. Ball towards the far post. It's a free header for Eves. And straight at Ben Amos again. The child defence call out. Eves with a free header and a nicely worked free kick. Almost paid off for Stokaski to take. Swings it in. Decent looking delivery again. Long gets a touch. Headed down to Bogle. He just kicks Finn here, I think, in the end. It looks like Bogle... Uh, sorry, Pierce headed it down to the chance striker and it looked like he just just totally miskicked it and falls into the arms of Long. Again, Charlton have a decent opportunity there from a set piece. Will Charlton have time for this throw? They won't. As the first half comes to an end at the KCOM Stadium, and it's Hull City who go into the break with a one-goal lead. Referee has given oh, a red word. card to Darren Bradley. He must have said something to the linesman that's been a judge to have been Oh, that's worthy enough of a red card, and Chomp will now have to face the rest of the game with 10 men. Darren Bratley sent off for what we presume is descent. I didn't see anything off the ball in terms of something to do with a player, or it must have been something he said to the linesman. That is a huge blow for Cholton. Down to 10 men, one goal down. Heading towards the chart penalty, a little reverse ball into the run of Potter. Did he uh, break the offside trap? Yes, according to the officials. Back to Wilkes, oh, against the post. And back to Honeyman. Little back heel, Amos out there, but he can't stop the shot going in. And Hull make it 2-0. Well, Wilkes should have conveyed that header at the far post just before that. And with Matthews down on the ground, the ball comes to Doherty. It's a good finish, but again, from a chart perspective, defensively not good enough. They've really been poor, Charlton. After winning it back, Charlton lose out on the left-hand side. And there is the final whistle. And it is the full-time whistle that brings a 2-0 scoreline to the home side. There we go, then. The commentary highlights from uh, yesterday's 2-0 defeat up at Hull. Um, oh, Tom, it's a, it's a real tough one. I mean, you can point to circumstances where the game could have gone differently if Bogle puts his chance away and... I guess Bo would probably argue that we, we certainly came out a bit brighter in the second half after he switched up the formation uh, and then Darren Pratley's red card or maybe the second goal might might have killed us off. But the fact is, I mean, those are, you know, the um, ter potential turning points. But other than that, I mean, I think Hull, were, Hull will certainly come away from that one feeling they were well worthy of, uh, of the three points. And I don't think we could have too many arguments with the result. None at all, I don't think, no. Um, I think it would be clutching at straws to say we deserved anything. Uh, you say, obviously, that, that Bogle chance was probably the most outstanding of the opportunities we had, and it wasn't like that was, was clear-cut. Um, and I, I don't remember their keeper having really anything to do at all. And I think it's a question we've come back to plenty of times, that, that and Boya references it himself in the post-match, that we're, we're not creating enough, and... You look at the defensive mistakes as well. The game's won and lost in, in both boxes and you would argue that that's where we're guilty of, of playing our worst football because in the middle of the park, you know, again, Boya said it himself, we dominated territory, we dominated possession, we passed the ball a lot, but we we didn't create very much. And when they got into our final third, people like Malik Wilkes, even Tom Eaves, you know, they looked dangerous players and they created chances against us. Amos had to make a few saves. We had to make a few last-ditch tackles. And, you know, we can pass it around in front of them all we want. But there were several times in the match yesterday where Greg Antel was saying, Hull are happy for us to have it. You know, Pierce 
seen it plenty of times. Pierce to Prattley, Prattley out to Matthews or Gunter, back and across and across. And there weren't enough people making that decision to take a brave pass forwards enough times. And ultimately, when they did, they were, as I say, passing it just out of play, straight for a throw or to players who were marked too quickly by whole players. And this is a whole side, despite what I say about them being decent. You know, they'd lost three in a row. They'd had an extended break as well because of of COVID. And, you know, they're not in the best of form, even if they're an OK side or they've got good players. So it was another game that the opportunities there, like I said earlier, that this is not a great league. We should be looking at any team and thinking we can get something. And it was just a very, very disappointing performance across the board. And we've seen too many of them now. I, I can't really think of too many games where we've had a lot of opportunities, even Wimbledon, where we scored five, those ga- goals, or yeah, those goals came in a, in a little flurry, but it wasn't like we'd had 25 opportunities at goal. You know, we just took those chances that came to us that day. Um, and how many times this season have we talked about defensive, stupid defensive mistakes and, and sloppy passages of play at the back? So, yeah, uh, just a game that I, I don't think we ever really looked like we were going to get into at any point, even that 15-minute spell where we were we were improved at the start of the second half. It's not enough for a team that want to go up this season. Mm, now, obviously, I mean, one of the main talking points uh, before kickoff or, or, you know, as the game started, Lewis, was when we sort of uh, took account of where players were lining up. Now, Ian Martson, uh, you know, a left-sided player. We've seen him play at both left-back and on on the left in the midfield. Uh, he went over to play on the right. Uh, Adam Matthews, a right-back, remained at left-back, as we saw uh, last week as well, um, although I uh, understand he played there a bit for Sunderland. It's not like he's never played there, but that that's where he was, um, you know. So and and obviously, I mean, again, Bo stuck with with Pratt at centre half instead of Deji on the bench, which is something we asked Bo about last week, and 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 you would have seen the quote. So you know, uh, the, these decisions have been questioned certainly, but Bo has uh, give, given his answer. We'll hear it on the on the interview. Uh, what he's thinking was behind those decisions, but. Um, I mean that that's certainly be a bugbear for for a number of fans. They feel like playing too many out of position could leave us unbalanced. I mean, Bowie, like I say, he explains what he's what he's trying to do. What I mean, do you think that affects us? Do you think Bowie's got the wrong idea there, or do you think he's right to try and find different a different way to play when he needs to? I think it can be looked on either side. I mean, initially when you see the team sheet come out and you see the names and you're trying to work out where they are playing, it can become frustrating because. We're, we're going away to a team like Hull who are going to be up there come the end of the season in the top six, if not the top two. And there's someone we should be rival, you know, rivaling and they've had their own sort of dip in form. So I do feel like we were, could have gone up there and given it a bit more. So when you're seeing the likes of Marcus Madison, Johnny Williams, Paul Smith on the bench and you're seeing all these defensive players, it, it does frustrate people uh, and I do get it. Um but at the same time, whether he's using it as an opportunity to try and get a little bit more versatility out of his squad, because it's going to be a long old season with all the all the COVID stuff. You know, we don't even know if the season's going to get uh, stopped with a circuit breaker yet. You know, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough for teams to to catch up. And if we have another two week break on top of that, that's more games you're going to chuck midweek and more injuries that you're gonna you're going to get or positive COVID tests, you know, touch wood, we've been quite good with that so far. But if we were to lose a handful of players, then maybe there there would be that option to have some versatility in the squad. You know, if we did lose Ian Matson, if he got recalled by Chelsea and we weren't comfortable with Ben at left back, that, that Matthews could fill in there and do a job. 
centre half wise, I'm a little bit concerned as to why Deji's not being given a go. I mean, I know that he's not really sort of set the world alight since he's come into us, but he's a natural centre back, and I think if you can then fill him in there, that means you can stick Prattley or Watson in a midfield, not the two of them, and bring in another attacking midfielder to try and help put some chances on a plate for for the likes of Omar Bogle, who isn't performing for me at the moment. Whether his confidence is low or or whatever, or the chances aren't being created, I don't know. But we are. I don't think personally we're creating enough and leaving the likes of Marcus Madison and Jolly Williams on the bench uh, and not having them on from the start. For me, it's something... To, I don't know whether it's the way I'd approach it or not. I don't know. It just doesn't really sit right with me, especially after the the difference that Madison made against Plymouth. It seems like he'd be a real confidence player as well and that may have worked well with him coming in against Hull um, but you know it wasn't to be and he didn't play yesterday but I, I don't know I see the frustrations and I, I do agree um, but it's it's tough because we are missing a lot of players as well so unfortunately maybe our hand is being forced a little bit when it comes to versatility but at the same time there are some players that are playing out of position that I think maybe could be avoided but Bo will have his reasons for that and you know he's the manager of the football club at the end of the day so we have to trust in what he's doing and and I do. Uh, The goals themselves Tom obviously the first one came 18 minutes in I think it was Wilkes wasn't it got way down the the left hand side uh, uh, for Hull so our our right so I think Matthews was was he caught slightly uh, up the pitch Uh, oh sorry uh, on the other side uh, caught slightly up the pitch and then uh, I think Prattley can't get a challenge on Wilkes. The cross comes in and it comes to Adelukin. And then it was Matthews as the cross came in that sort of, you know, couldn't get there. And, and he was basically unmarked at the far post, wasn't he? Um, and, and quite similar with the second one, really. Obviously, Prattley's already been sent off by this point. So, um, but again, they get behind us a little bit too easily. And a cross comes in and uh, get away with one as Wilkes heads it against the bar. But still, I think it was a lovely little back heel from Honeyman. And Doherty's able to... To put it into the back of the net, so we have we, twice we haven't dealt with crosses, but uh, twice they the Hull have had quite a lot of space to be putting uh, the, those crosses into our penalty area. Yeah, just just way too soft for a team that are, as I say, looking to try and get promoted this season. And the first one in particular really confused me because I, I get why uh, Gunter was out of position because he was trying to go on the overlap for a, for an attack, and obviously we lost the ball. But the ball over the top, I think Prattley's either got to do one thing or the other and he kind of does neither. And that might just be naturally because he's playing out of position. And then, uh, again, I said it on Twitter yesterday, but if you watch the replay back, by the time the ball comes into the box, there's five or six Charlton players in the box. Uh, So we have got bodies back there, but it goes past them all. It is unfortunate the way it comes off Amos, but if you've got five or six players there, why are none of them picking up the, the player at the back post? Now, the only reasons I can think of are that our left-back's playing right wing and Adam Matthews, as you say, who has played there before, is playing out of position and hasn't thought to come inside that player because he had the freedom of, of the penalty area to stick it home, despite the fact there were half of the Charlton bodies were in that box. So, very, very poor. The second goal, as you say, uh, really just killed the game off. Um, and yes, Prattley isn't there and, and that's going to affect it. But again... There were enough bodies there to, to do something about it, and yet there's a player unmarked. So I referenced something that Lewis mentioned a little while ago about, about Jason Pierce not quite being back in form yet since he's come back. And he's someone that we're used to being 
a bit of a leader and a, an organizer and, and vocal in that back four and Ben Amos as well um equally doing that and it strikes me as disorganisation. You know, you've got Chris Gunter in there who's got almost 100 caps for his country. You know, an experienced player, had a long career at, at Forest and other clubs, you know. And and these players, they, they should know better. They should know the basics of defending. And, and Bowyer's been able to set up teams before that are based on a very solid spine and defence. And, and we're not able to do that at the moment. And there are, you know, all of these factors come in. Prattley playing centre-back. Watson looking slightly out of form for me. You know, the formation and the selection. These are all factors. And and as I said right at the start of the show, some of these factors are Boya, sit with Boya and some of them sit with the players themselves. But I don't know if it's people not taking ownership or not taking responsibility or just losing concentration or what it is, but it needs to change. And I saw a piece by Benji Nurek today about we, we don't know what this Charlton side is at the moment. And again, that's something I said yesterday. I, I don't think Boya knows what his best formation is and what his best 11 is at the moment. And lots of people have been comparing it to the, the side that got promoted a couple of years ago. And I, I don't think that's helpful because that side, when you look back at those names now, you know, it's no wonder we got promoted really. Um, but if you look at these players at the moment, I'm struggling to see what the best formation is and what the best way to play them is. And maybe Bo, you're struggling with that a little bit as well. And now the the response to that has been, well, he should do because he's had the players for long enough. But I wonder if if he just hasn't figured that out yet, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, all of those factors play into it. But the, ultimately, it comes down to, again, two very sloppy goals to concede and goals that we just can't afford to give away if we want to get promoted. Now, the Darren Prattley red cards, Lewis, uh, I haven't actually managed to find a replay of it anywhere. I think they showed one uh, on Valley Pass, but I haven't, so I haven't seen that. But I don't know if, if you were able to see that and if you had a view on it. I mean, it's... You know, if he if he has kicked out a, a player, it's a bit bit silly, really. You expect a bit better from from Darren. Hundred percent. I I did see a replay, um, and despite it being soft and maybe a bit harsh, ultimately in this day and age in football, as soon as you you know move your foot or anything in the direction of an opposition player, um, then you're going to be in trouble. And Darren should know better, really, because he kind of fell into a trap a little bit. There was a little bit of like pushing and shoving. I think he backed into uh, Malik Wilkes and there was some afters. And as he walked away, he just sort of almost like backheeled and sort of scraped his stud down his leg, which uh, the ultimately Darren Prattley is a, is a seasoned pro. He's someone that should know better. He's someone that we've got in the club that provides that sort of experience to our younger players. He, knows the game he's played it at plenty of levels including the Premier League and he's been in the game long enough to know that you can't fall for those silly little traps whether it's frustration because he didn't feel we were playing well I don't know but either way it's unforgivable because at that point in the game we were having a bit of a better spell as as we've mentioned already you know we'd had a couple of opportunities Jake had just sort of fizzed a free kick past um, that, that Long had to make a decent save for so there's no reason why we couldn't be getting back into the game at that point. But as soon as we do something like that and we lose that man, the momentum switches because we just made the change with Johnny Williams as well. So you're you're kind of forced to then rejig the whole makeup of the side. And, you know, it, it felt like game over at that point. And I'm, I'm disappointed because Darren Prattley is someone that when he came in, it was a little bit like, 
he's just going to be somebody that's going to be handy to have around the place. We'll make a handful of appearances or whatever. And he's gone on to do so much more than that. And I'm I'm really, really happy with the contribution that he's had to our football club since he's come in. I thought he was phenomenal in the playoff final. I thought he was fantastic last season when we really needed that experience in the championship. And I think this year, especially at the start, with all the problems we had, we needed him then as well. And he performed. Now that we have that stability off the field and, and we're able to to bring players in and, and mould a competitive side, he still needs to be that that man to look up to, that sort of pinnacle person. Because, you know, Piercy, as we've already mentioned, has been in and out of the side. We've got all these players in that have got experience and, and are older players that will be so vital to some of our younger guys coming through. And they need to set an example. And, and I think that Darren yesterday, despite maybe it not it not being a full-on, you know, whack in the shins, moving your leg towards an opposition player, it's, an, it's enough to, to get yourself in trouble. And at that point of the game, we definitely, it was something we didn't need. Um, and I think that he let, he let us down yesterday. Um, and I'm sure he knows that more than, more than we do. Yeah, he certainly did. And he'll be out for three games now. Which, uh, we'll start with the game against Accrington on Friday. Obviously, if, if that goes ahead, um, uh, you can never be too sure at the moment. But uh, yeah, a, a, a big disappointment there again that we, lo- we lose Darren Prattley. Now, let's uh, hear from uh, the Addicts boss, Lee Bowyer, shall we? Uh, caught up with him after yesterday's game at the KCON Stadium to find out what he made of the defeat against Hull. Uh, disappointment. Um, obviously, coming here, we knew it was going to be difficult. Uh, but to, to lose the way we have is is tough to take because um, two poor goals, really. Uh, Adam, we're in a great position. Young Ian... Omar's made a good run in behind the, the centre half, and if you hit the right pass, then he's probably going through on goal. Under it's the pass gets cut out, then they break on us, and then um, and Adam Adam falls asleep on the on the far post, and and the fella taps it in. So bad bad goal to concede, and then um, I think we we dominated the ball a lot. I think without hurting them. I think um, a lot of it was in front of them. But we just weren't brave enough. We had uh, we carried too many players today. Carried too many. Um, and Omar's chance from, what, six yards out. Big moments they are and, and you need people to, to take the chances. Changes everything. Um, he didn't and, and uh, now we're coming away with a 2-0 defeat. Obviously, losing Pratt's as well played a big part in the in the outcome. Changed things around at half time, and I think we was again the, the the team on top and looking to looking to create things. Um, but but we didn't, and then Pratt's gets sent off, which is disappointing because he's your most experienced player, and you, you don't expect him to make a mistake like that. And. Um, yeah, and then they hit us on the break uh, for the second one, and, and then it's game over. Then it was that the biggest disappointment today, because I guess after you you made the change at half time in, in shape and, and personnel and started to come back into. I don't know if it's, if it's fair to say that Darren's team has com- like has completely changed the game, but it, it certainly doesn't give you any chance of going to to push for a lever after that. No, I think for maybe. Up until they scored, I think even when we were down to ten, we was the team that was 
we had to be brave. We were losing 1-0 and, and we had to get bodies forward as much as we possibly could. Um, so we, we had to be brave and leave one for one at the back. And we, we just needed something to fall our way. didn't happen. They hit us on a break and then finished the game off. As I said, you made that change at half-time and we, we saw an improvement. Obviously, in, in the first half, you tried something a little bit different with Ian playing over on, on the other side and then obviously Adam staying in, in, in the full-back position. What, what were you trying to sort of uh, achieve with that? I just tried to... Uh, we thought Wilkes would be playing on the right. He's been playing on the right all the time, uh, coming in on his left foot and, and he's very good at it. Uh, so I thought, well, Adam, he'd be coming into Adam's strong foot as well, being his right foot. Um, I thought Adam done well last last game in possession. I think he uh, he was very good on the ball, but and and Ian obviously a bit of pace in the final third and to to cause them problems. So that that was that was the thinking behind that. Um, and I thought we've done all right. I thought first half we've done all right, taking the goal aside. Um, I thought we'd done okay. That day wasn't better than us. So. Uh, but then it was like, okay, now, now change things and, and, and try and make something happen. Try and get our wing backs up high up the pitch and uh, and try and hurt them a bit more. But, yeah, but it, we, we we was doing that until obviously we went down to ten men, and then it became more difficult. You know, coming back to that that red card, I, I I haven't seen a replay or anything. But do you know if there was, did you think there was much in it, for Darren? <sighs> It's so soft. It's a flick, you know, like he's, he's flicked out at the fella. Um, letter of law is probably a red card because it probably looks worse than, than what it actually is. Would it have hurt the lad? No, of course not. It was like a little flick out at him. Um, did the officials actually see it? I don't know. Uh, their bench made the fourth official aware. I don't know if the fourth official see it. I don't know. But... Um, but yeah, if you watch it back on the video, which I've done, and it's a red card. And if you go by the letter of the law, obviously now you're going to have to deal without Darren against Accrington. Um, possibly have to do without Ben as well. Went off injured quite early on. Then what's the what's the damage there? Uh, hamstring. He just felt his hamstring. Um, so yeah, he's he'll be out for a little while now as well. But practice he's going to be out for three games. Um, so not only is he, he he cost us today, which I said to him like if you've let us down there, you've you've cost us, you know. He obviously apologised, and um, but it's not just about today's the next three games as well. It's going to be a big miss because he's he's done well for us. Looking at the things overall, I think it's it's two wins in in nine now. Um, up against the whole side, obviously who are up at the the end of the table. The Charlton will be be challenging out at the end of the season. So how how do you think? You sort of compared to them today, um, and and how, how do you feel about how things are going over the last couple of weeks? I guess there's been a few games that you should have won that, that you didn't quite, and then obviously a, a game like today that was a bit more difficult. Um, yeah, obviously you, you the, the, the games that we should have got more from um, would give you a bit more leeway on on the game like today. But we haven't got them points. Hull will, will be up there at the end of the season and rightly so because they kept most of their squad from last season. Most of them players there that you see, they were playing in the championship last season. So I know that because we played we played against them. Uh, so yeah, they, they should be up where they are. 
Um, and it just shows you where we are. I think it's making a more realistic picture of, of, of what we lost in the summer uh, and what they lost if you compare it. Um, so yeah, we, we have to, we're going to try and do some business to improve us in January. Um, but yeah, hopefully now people will realise that it's, it's not that simple when you keep losing 12 players every summer. And then you've got to try and, uh, and, and obviously replace them with the cap. The, the new rules with the cap makes it even harder. And, and I think you see that today with, with some of the performances from, from some of our players. And obviously, we're, we're in January now and the, and the window will be opening. Um, uh, you mentioned during, during midweek that you've, you've got a couple that you hope are clear. One, one name that's been doing rounds amongst supporters today, so I thought I will ask just because it's one that obviously you had an interest in in, in the summer is Sorba Thomas as well. Uh, Road. I think Steve had a look at him in the summer. Is that one you'd go back in for? I spoke to him came a few weeks ago and he, he said he'd see what his future holds. But is that one you'd be interested in or not? Or not sure at this time? Yeah, yeah. Um, we obviously want to bring some, some young lads in as well if we can. So, um, yeah, he's, he's someone that we, we liked in the summer. Uh, he hasn't become a bad player overnight. So, yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Shinny prepares to take. Shinny takes. It's a shot. Oh, great break. Oh, the power was too strong for Eastwood. He dived to his left, but it's past him. And Shinny, who got the assist for the first goal, now opens his Charlton account with a lovely free kick. And Charlton, just before half time, make it two. That you're going to be okay anyway. You know there's no reason. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. Uh, just before the break there, we heard from uh, Lee Boyer. Uh, we'll hear from you guys in a minute. We'll get your tweets and emails to to come to. Um, obviously, at the end of that little clip, asked Bo about the transfer window, and in in, uh, in particular about Sorba Thomas, the uh, youngster at Boreham Wood, um, who we went for in the summer. And, and we'll talk about that briefly in a minute. But I mean, Tom, obviously, Bo's coming under a little bit of pressure now from from fans. Uh, you know, after a game, it's always going to be very vocal on Twitter and. Um, and and whatnot, and, and we can't. We have to remember that social media doesn't, of course, count for everyone. But um, yeah, there's certainly a lot of people who are asking questions. I'm still only seeing a few people, you know, saying they want the manager out. But there are, there's, there's a lot of people who want to see him making different decisions. So I think that's fair to say. 
Definitely, yeah, and I I think that's right. Um, let's make it very clear. I want Boya to stay, and I think he's the right man for the job at the moment. And if nothing else, he's stuck with us during a very difficult time, and he deserves his chance now. Um, that's as I say, at the very least, I think his decisions do need to be questioned, and that's the job of the journalists. And you listen to those interviews last week, this week. You're doing that. You're asking him why players are being played out of position, and he he's giving answers and. I think we've said it plenty of times on the show that he's very honest. He, he does explain. He does go through his thinking and explain why things are happening. I would perhaps argue it became quite obvious early on in yesterday's game that the way we'd set up wasn't working. And so it, I wonder why he took so long to make the changes that he did. Um, and I think potentially it started to show that, you know, Hull weren't, as people have said, Hull weren't anything special. And so looking at Hull away on paper looks like a difficult game. Actually, when you're there and you're seeing the game, is there a, more of an opportunity to perhaps take the game to them a little bit more? So I think it's right that people are asking questions of him. It provokes brilliant debate often on Twitter. Obviously, sometimes people don't want to be you know, debated with, but I think often it does. And, and that's part of the reason that we enjoy the game so much, you know. Like I said at the very start, it was nice to have football back. Did I enjoy the performance itself? Absolutely not. But do I enjoy the the routine of a Saturday afternoon watching football? Yes. Do I enjoy the debate on social media? Yes. I enjoy all of that around it. So, look, he, for me, he's still absolutely the man that should be there. He needs this window. And I know we're going to come on and talk about that because clearly the squad does need a little bit of freshening up. But I still... Th- I still feel that there's a squad in there and if we start to just put a few wins together like we did when we put those six or seven results together earlier, I feel like we could go on a little bit of a run. And again, as I've said earlier in the show, this league's there to be taken. If you gra- if you grab it, you- you're going to go ahead and-, and probably win it because I don't think any team has really stood out so far. So it's just about can we be that team? And for me, if we've got Bowyer in charge, I think we have every opportunity of doing that. Um but it does depend what business we do this month, and that, and that will be crucial. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's the that, that's the big talking point now, and um, you know we'll, we'll we'll come to tweets and emails very shortly. But I mean, what what Thomas and Lee and and Steve Gallen etc can achieve in this window is massive. I mean, you have to remember we're working under these constraints of the, of the the wage cap. It's not it's not going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as people were hoping. You know, it's not going to be a case of you can just go out and buy buy the league. Unfortunately, we can't do that. Um, but I mean, so they're, they're going to have to be quite wily, um, uh, Lewis. There, they're, they're going to have to, you know, look at the key parts of the squad. I think obviously we need to improve uh, at the um, the the situation with the defence. That that's a that's a no brainer for me. I mean, mentioned Sorba Thomas there as well. It sounds like there's still some some interest. But I mean, they have to get this right if we if we want to make sure that we that we do what we need to challenge for that top six. I mean, and for me, defence. Is definitely the the most important part, you know. I think goal scoring. We 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 score. We're in the top six for goals scored. You know, before Christmas we were in uh, the top three for that, and then obviously we've gone a game without scoring. Um, it's our defence where the problem is. We're we're looking about eleven four twelve in terms of goals conceded in the division. Not quite as bad as Burton Albion, who've conceded an impressive fifty goals this season. But you know, our our early well, our, our early mid mid season form was based purely on the fact that we weren't conceding goals and therefore when we did score we went on to win games so that that's probably the most important part of the pitch for me yeah i think it's probably on paper if we had a fully fit defense somewhere that we wouldn't need to look at 
um, because I think you know Famwo and Innes were fantastic additions, but sadly they're probably going to be out for even even longer, maybe another seven to eight weeks. I think was was said um, last week. So they're a huge miss. So it becomes a position that we'll need to look at, and whether that's going to be a loan or or a permanent, I don't know. Um, it's a difficult time of year, January, isn't it? Bo says it like people don't want to don't want to let people go really and and any prices that come in are, are often inflated and that now that we've got the owner that may provide uh, the funds to give us these players you know will be it whether it be an inflated price or not we then have the the hurdle of the salary cap that that's been introduced as well so <laughs> I think Bo and, and Gallum will both feel like they just can't catch a break when it comes to to wheeling and dealing um with with the transfers they have to you know before under the restraints they've had and now that we've got an owner that can financially back them the salary cap becomes another hurdle and the injury problems that we have at the moment that becomes another obstacle because you probably have to rethink the strategy i imagine they already had uh players lined up or, or players they were interested in uh long before uh probably even the turn of the year you know sorber thomas was someone mentioned in the summer that didn't go over the line so that interest may may reignite. Ronnie Schwartz has been spoken about a lot and I think Rich tweeted that that's probably going to happen. But he hasn't played any football this year, so that's going to take time to get him up to speed. You've got the the guys out on loan. Do, do you bring them back or do you look at letting them go because they come under the salary cap? The likes of George Lapsley, that's been mentioned recently. Aaron Ostermer as well. Josh Davison's performing well out on loan at Woking. Um so yeah, I mean, defensively, you are going to have to look at that, aren't you? Because we aren't at the moment. It's our biggest sort of Achilles' heel. Because when you look back, as we've said, at the performances and and the clean sheets we were keeping and the defensive displays we were putting out earlier on in the season when we had Innes and Famwo fit, you know, the defensive displays were fantastic and it wasn't a worry at all. Since they've come out of the side, as the season's gone on, slowly but surely there are more and more mistakes and. It's a concern. So we're going to have to look at that, I think. I haven't seen any names leaked defensively either. So it'll be interesting to see who we who we get in or if we do get anybody in. But ideally, I, I'd just love it if, if Innes and Fanway were fit and they could come back into play because they're, they'd be, they, well, they were fantastic for us when they were fit. So hopefully not too much longer to wait for them. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's have a look at some of the tweets and emails that have come in about yesterday's performance uh, up at the KCOM. You can always tell when it's a bad performance when we start getting tweets before the game's even finished. And uh, London in Giza didn't let us down yesterday. Uh, 78 minutes gone, by far our worst performance of the season, but positive about Friday with no Prattley and no Ben Watson available. Yeah, well, obviously... Uh, uh, ben Watson injured his hamstring, as we heard there from, from Bo Redmond, says, are you ready for this week's show? Yeah, going to be a, a a lot of comments coming in. Mitch, uh, dull and disappointing game, but we have to remember that we are solvent, have a management team that also invest in Cholton. A year ago, we were all excited over a table of snacks. Yeah, but yeah certainly you know, posit- positives to, compared to a year ago, but obviously... Uh, people uh, are living in the here and now and want to see some some improvement. Steven says that uh, no comment uh, on yesterday's performance. Maka says it was absolutely shocking. And it starts with Boya. Too many players out of position. Too negative. And why didn't Madison get on? Boya needs to sort it out quick because uh, Thomas Sangard will start asking questions soon. And rightly so. Dom says, maybe it's just me, but I'm not that stressed about where we are. Given the start of the season, I'd be very happy to be in the playoffs by the end of it, uh, of which we are roughly on course to do despite this bad patch. Is it bad 
uh, that I'm not panicking, although I should add that yesterday was awful and things aren't great in the way uh, we are playing, but we've seen this sort of thing turned around before, and I'm confident it will happen again. Yeah, Tom, I mean, obviously, uh, Dom, Dom's talking about, you know, we're not in a bad position still. That That's certainly something that's in in our favour as we are in that in that top six. It is very tight uh in in the uh you know in in, in the sort of upper reaches of, of league one so you know it's uh, it's not time to panic yet although obviously take into account what has gone on over the last few weeks definitely there's no need to panic as i've said a couple of times already this is not a good league this year um the standard and the performances haven't been good whether that's just because of the teams that are down there or whether that's because of the wider situation that all clubs find themselves in i don't know so there's no need to panic i think it feels like a missed opportunity so far because uh, because the teams aren't great. You know, if we'd have put a couple of the better performances together, we probably would be top of the league now. You think three or four weeks ago we were looking and saying, oh, if we win one of our games in, in hand, we'd go top. And the fact that we're sick, therefore, feels like it's a, a missed opportunity. But I, I see the point of view. You know, look at where we were at the start of the season. We, were, we would have been grateful to, to stay up. But before the season, we would have been grateful to survive. And I think there are going to be people who, as the season goes on, you know, have relatively short memories and, you know, feel that that's put far enough behind to suggest that we should be doing better. There'll be other fans that say, well, do you know what? I don't care what happens this season because I'm just glad we've still got a club. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think that that has still played a part. I feel like Bose and Gallen have put a very good squad together in terms of some of the players they were able to bring in at this level. Again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and we probably should be doing better than we are at this stage. Um, but we're not, and we have to accept that. And I think the injuries to the centre back certainly play a huge part in that. I, I don't think it's an excuse, but I think it's certainly a valid reason. Um, and I think if we can get a couple of pacey players in, like Gallen has said, uh, then you know, maybe we'll look a little bit more dangerous going forwards against some of these teams because, as I say, the, both boxes has, has been the issue largely. You know, we're, we're a nice footballing side. We move the ball around nicely when we've got a bit of confidence, but we don't really do anything with it. And, and that's what we need to do. So certainly no reason to panic. I think it would be a real disappointment if we don't make the playoffs because the, the league is not good. Um so I think that's what, what people are looking at. You know, it's not like we're coming up against good teams and getting put away. We're getting up against teams that we could beat uh, if if we play well. Um, and when we are playing well, we have won those games. We're just not, not clicking enough yet. So, no, I'm certainly not panicking. I think this league's still there for the taking. Excellent stuff. Right, a uh, couple more tweets. Uh... Uh, Matt says, on a day when we lacked creativity and service in the final third, it's ludicrous that Bowyer left Madison on the bench. Not the reason we lost, though. We missed Chooks and EK hugely. A target man to bring others into play and for others to run off is badly needed. Rob says, play players in their position. If you keep others out, the team like Deji and Madison, who have both shown at other clubs they can perform in League One and pick players out of position and play poorly, you are going to get criticised. Not creating enough chances with disjointed. Uh, Dan Sheed says that uh, we've conceded twice now in our last four games and haven't kept a clean sheet since we beat Portsmouth. We can talk about how much we clearly miss Famewo and Innes, but Oshelaja is proven at this level and he must be sitting on the bench wondering how Prattley is ahead of him. Well, I've I think it's probably fair to say that clearly Bowyer doesn't rate Deji as highly as he rates Darren Prattley in, in that position. I think, you know, whether you think that's right or wrong is up to you, of course, but that, that seems to be what, 
what what both think. So John Bennett says we are poor tactically and performance wise, but we are missing some key players. Innis, Fainwell, Shinny, Doughty, especially we need more attacking strength, but currently lack pace and width to do that better. Uh, plus we need a stable strike partnership. Uh, Dan says disappointing performance and some questionable tactics, but I absolutely cannot fathom why some fans are asking for Bayer out. He's mixing things up. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's all part of football. He is without doubt the right man for the job. Stuart says, I've said it before, Bayer loved the chaos that was Charlton Athletic under awful owners. He's not known an owner that's good for the club until now. He can't blame the chaos anymore. Don't get me wrong, Bayer worked wonders in the chaos, but now it's the chaos on the pitch. That's a problem. Gordon says we could still field a half-competitive team looking at our fit players. It's a tactical issue more than a fitness one. Serious question marks around uh, Smith, Williams, Madison on the bench, starting Bogle, Pratt's at centre-back, Martson centre-midfield, playing backwards sideways and no movement. Cass says toothless, weak, unorganised, sloppy and careless on the ball, defended abysmally, laughable in front of goal. Players clearly not fighting for the manager or each other and nobody seems to be aware of the tactics. Managers, players and fans slim pickings says a poor poor performance from a team which had time to work on shape and tactics that they were awful couldn't make a pass no urgency and not enough cutting edge apart from the wimbledon game it's been much like this uh, and we can't use the not gelling yet argument now we must do better um yeah that's certainly uh that was something that's been asked before wasn't it about whether the teams had time to gel but you know as the season goes on as, as slim pickings uh, says there you, you Probably fair to say that they, that they should be doing that by now. All right, Troika says, I I thought Johnny Williams got stuck in uh, when he came on. Bring back George Lapsley and, and Josh Davison. Yeah, obviously, while we've been away, uh, George Lapsley's been told he can leave the club uh, for free if uh, if he if he gets someone finding him. All right, Malcolm says, has anyone checked whether Boyer severely bumped his head about a month ago? Uh, Dempsey, uh, Dan Dempsey says, about time we start talking about how useless Gilby is. Rewatch their second goal. He makes no attempt to get close to Honeyman. Also, Boya deserves criticism for team selection and player positioning last couple of weeks, but I don't agree with those asking uh, to sack him. Uh, Sandgard's Heroes says too many players played out of position uh, produces a disjointed performance. Uh, it also dispirits those left out. Prattley in defence weakens the midfield also. Uh, there are injuries, but Lee Boya needs to be uh, accountable. Lee Boya is a club legend. I hope that he refines the managerial plot. Uh, very soon and then finally Paul says "In uh, I think the overreaction uh, needs to be discussed we ask for loyalty from players and managers but the fans are they too quick to turn uh, though we do need to ask why players are played out of position and why Williams and Mads remain on the bench as well fair questions yeah I mean Lewis do, do you think do you think there's been an overreaction I mean you know fans obviously more than entitled to, to share their views and, and after I guess the run of form we have I don't know if I don't know if it's an overreaction to be asking questions, certainly, as Paul said there. It probably is an overreaction to be calling for Bo's head. But, I mean, what do you think? That's just what I'm saying. I agree with you. I think I think calling for Bo's head um, at this current current moment in time is, is an overreaction. I think with Thomas coming in um, and, the, and the backing being there and the stability being there now, I think the goalposts have moved a little bit and I think our expectations of maybe leapfrog from where they were under the previous ownership, which understandably show they should because, you know, it was looking pretty bleak under them and, and we're allowed to get excited and we're allowed to be optimistic because we have got this new owner that's passionate about the football club, is willing to invest and really help us push on. But it's natural in football that when you are having a bad run of form, things start to get questioned and we on the pitch at the moment aren't doing enough to 
answer those critics because the performances, whether players are in position or not, haven't been good enough. Even in games over the over the last few weeks when players were in position, like the Burton Albion game, for example, we weren't good enough. And there have been too many of those um, to look at over the last couple of, of the last sort of, what, six weeks or so. Um, but I don't think calling for Bowyer's head is the, is the right call whatsoever. I think that he's got a, a transfer window coming up and I know he's going to have obstacles, but it's his first one where he's not sort of shackled by the ownership or an embargo. Um, so give the man a chance, you know, give, give him an opportunity. He's got us out of this division before under ridiculous constraints, but he managed to assemble a competitive squad. The start of this season, the constraints were much greater than they were under Roland. We were under a complete embargo. We weren't able to make the you know make the signings that we needed to early on. We weren't able to to do the business we wanted to early on, and we lost a lot of players in the summer. Uh, so the rebuild was huge. I know that we've replaced them um, and that we've had a chance to build, but a lot of the people that have come in have got injured or or whatever. Um, I think that there is. I think it's harsh judgment at the moment on Boya. I mean, if at the end of the day, at the start of the season, we were all looking around thinking, if we can finish sort of you know mid table, or even at one point we were thinking if we can stay up, that's an achievement because things were so bad. As soon as Thomas came in, those goalposts moved, and we were looking at promotion. We're still in that top six at the moment. We have slipped up a couple of times, and we could easily be on the top two if we'd have perform to our ability we haven't done that but you can't change what's behind you you can only look ahead at what you've got to play and it's now down to getting a reaction out of it and that reaction starts on Friday against Accrington Stanley hopefully that game goes ahead um, and maybe a few faces in the door before then as well but ultimately it's down to us to change it we can only change what's ahead of us you can't go back and rewrite it so I'm sure Boya will, will have something up his sleeve to try and get performances back to where we, we feel that they should be yeah, that's what we we want to see. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you, you mentioned the Atkinson Stanley game. I mean, this, this this is the week where the EFL are actually going in and doing uh, coronavirus testing themselves. So uh, you you may or may not be aware that un- unlike in the Premier League, where uh, the clubs pay for all this testing and that's why they're able to sort of keep a hold of of things a bit better. Um, in, in the lower leagues, League One, League Two, a lot of clubs don't actually do much testing at all, which is why. You're getting more outbreaks, and then people get symptoms, and then they get tested. And so, I think when when they the EFL go through and do this this league wide testing this week, I think it's tomorrow they're they're coming down to Sparrows Lane to do it. Um, I won't be shocked to see a lot of games called off over the next few weeks now, even more so than what we've seen already, which has been a lot. So, uh, we'll see how that pans out. Right, let's have a look at a few emails. We've got loads of emails that are coming, so I'm not going to get to all of them, unfortunately. But thanks to everyone who has uh, sent them in. Murray's saying, uh, why why would you play a right-back at left-back when we have two fit left-backs available? Play a left-back at right midfield when there are loads of fit midfielders sitting on the bench and play a midfielder at centre-back when there is a centre-back sitting on the bench. I thought the first rule of football management uh, was to play footballers in their correct position. Happy New Year uh, to you all. That's from Muzza. Cheers for that. Uh, Muzza Liam says, uh, hi, Louis and team. I think it's a blessing in disguise that Prattley will miss a few games through suspension. He's been great for Cholton over the last few years, but he's better at breaking up play rather than being in a team who wants to have more possession, hence why he was better for us in the championship than in League One. He struggled to hold down a regular starting place in the promotion season. Morgan kept him out until the playoff final. I'm surprised he's starting every game without fail at the moment. Defence or midfield, not good enough on the ball. He needs a rest. Same for Ben Watson, the midfield 
needs a shake-up. That's from Liam. Yeah, cheers for your email, Liam. Paul says, uh, Happy New Year to all of us. He says, There's no hiding uh, from the fact that yesterday's game was dreadful and very poor. However, can we stop calling for Bayer out and especially stop sending messages to Thomas Sangard calling for his head? For years, we've been pleading for some stability and now we have it. It's hard to fathom the demands to make us unstable by changing managers again. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Paul, cheers for that. Phil uh, DM says... Uh, that he agreed with a tweet from Chicago Addict saying that there's not a lot to like about the team. You know, players that you like or a goal scorer. Do you agree with that, Tom? I saw that tweet and I still think, you know, you know, a few weeks ago when there was, you know, a good run, I think people were finding plenty to like about this team. And I still think there's the potential for, you know, someone like Marcus Madison to become a player that people really like. You know, if, if, if we can get the defence sorted out, then I'm sure people will be quite happy with that and and there's a couple of characters in there i don't know i don't know what you make of that tom i think like uh there's something i said a few weeks ago um where it's very easy to look back at a team and feel nostalgic about it because of what they achieved and uh you look back i saw someone post a photo yesterday of a rebo sar and jicksteel doing their little dance celebration away at doncaster and how we miss those players and you know, Jick Steele was someone that for a long time nobody had any particular affiliation with. You know, Naby had his critics at times and Aribo's gone on to play for the team that are top of the Scottish division, whatever you think of the Scottish division. So it's very easy to look back at that and think, oh God, how much do we want them back? I saw someone message Lyle Taylor and claim he wants him back. And so in hindsight, it's very easy to compare and say, oh, we loved that team so much. And of course we did, given what they gave us at Wembley. But during the season, there were times probably where we were very disappointed in them. And there's a lot of new faces. You know, there's 12 new players that have come in. If we're expecting to fall in love with them all straight away, you know, they're not all going to be Johnny Williams. Um, people like Connor Washington, I think he's shown he's got a bit of personality about him. He scored a few goals. Uh, I think Ryan Innes had the chance, you know, he he looked like somebody that people were going to like. Um, ben Amos, you know, when we were keeping all those clean sheets, people were saying that he's got a bit of something about him. Um, so I said it earlier, I'm not entirely sure what this team is in terms of how they play and what the best formation is and all of that. But I don't think that there's anything, you know, there are things to cling on to in terms of the people and, and the characters in there. Um and and I certainly don't think, and this was something I referenced when Bogle got, got hauled off yesterday, I don't think this is a team that are not trying by any stretch. And I don't think you get that very often with with Lee Boya. You know, Bogle yesterday, and for several weeks perhaps, hasn't performed and given the, the performances that we want. But you, you can't knock them for, for putting the effort in. Um, so, no, I slightly disagree. I, I don't think, I think there are there's plenty to like in this team. I think it's just about trying to work out what the identity of the team is and how they play, which, as I say, if anyone reads reads uh, Benji's article, is is kind of what he's saying as well. So, look, it's going to take a bit of time for them to gel, uh, and I get the point that perhaps they should be gelling on the pitch already. But in terms of us knowing knowing this team and knowing these players, it's going to take a while, and particularly when players are coming in and out. You know, like Anike, Andrew Shinny, these are players that potentially could you know, build up that sort of status with fans. But again, when one, when fans aren't there, it's difficult. And two, when players are dropping in and out with, with Corona and with injury, then that's going to play a part as well. So, yeah, I think we just need a bit more time and, and we can reflect on this team after the season and, and maybe assess what they are at that point. 
Mm, yeah, I definitely agree. It makes it harder to gain that sort of affinity with the players when, when you're not at the games as well, which probably uh, doesn't help. Right, Steve says it was dep- a depressing performance. Hull were more clinical, more physical, and they managed the game well. Showed how much we miss Shinny and uh, Alfie Doughty, not to mention the centre-backs. The January window could define our season. We need Gallon to work his magic. Uh, we need to stick by Bayer and JJ. Not the moment to planic plenty uh, of games left. That's from Steve. Cheers. Uh, Steve Writer, CFC GT, says, I have to say that Gilby was excellent. He won every tackle. Uh, Albie Morgan just didn't fit into the game. We have all wanted Bogle to do well, but now it's at the point where you have to think that he's a striker and he doesn't create or score goals. Right, Steve uh, Steve uh, McLennan says, Hi, guys. Happy New Year. A tough game to watch, wasn't it? Bo has to take the blame. Unfortunately, the selection issues are just ridiculous and he seems to be stuck in a rut, more worried about how to stop the opposition rather than how to hurt them. Does he not trust or rate the players? Uh, is this a result of an understandably rushed summer recruitment? I love Pratters, but last two weeks, he's been a, re- a liability, so his red card may prove to be a blessing in disguise. Cheers for that. Steve Derrick says, Hi, guys. Like most people, I'm very disappointed uh, with the performance yesterday. Boya said that Matthews at left back was to counter Wilkes coming in onside onto his right foot. Not only did Wilkes primarily play on their left anyway, it was such a defensive and negative tactic because it restricted our ability to attack down uh, outside the wings and to get decent crosses in in 90% of the good attacking positions we got we found players either stopping and coming back onto their other foot or trying to cross onto their uh, weaker one as it says also curbs were stressing on value pass yesterday how important the running will be clearly he hasn't seen our running fixtures because uh, thanks for these always interesting podcasts uh, which helped me cope with the highs and lows of being uh, a Charlton fan Craig says that two wins in nine is not promotion form we need to sort out the defense and play players in the correct position uh, he says, I do think, though, that losing Prattley and Watson will force his hand. Maybe get a couple of bodies in before Friday. Let's see. Um, uh, Mike says, I'm at a loss as to why we play so many players out of position. And then McSquare says, an awful match to kick off 2021. Uh, sadly, our worst performance of the season. Uh, once again, we had lots of possession without any end product. Right, thanks to all of you for all your emails. I say sorry if I didn't get to all of them because we have got loads that came in uh, today. But we've got one final feature now uh, on the show before we sign off. Uh, as I said at the top of the show now, uh, many of you will have heard of Carl Andrews. He is the uh, club photographer. Uh, pretty much all the photos we use on the Charlton live feed, probably 90% of them come from him as well. Uh, so he's well known there. Lots of plenty of, uh, of good snaps. Now, obviously, Carl is someone who's uh, had issues with his mental health over the over the last few years, and he's not afraid to uh, uh, go on and speak about that. And uh, part of his uh, dissertation when he did his uni course was on uh, uh, mental health within football now. So he's decided to turn that into a podcast. Now, I've listened to the first episode already, uh, talking with uh, Bradley Pritchard. You'll remember him, former Addicts player. And it's really fascinating discussion into how uh, mental health can affect footballers, and, and obviously in, in particular for for, for Bradley uh, during his time here and how people can uh, help each other out and that sort of stuff. So uh, Kyle's uh, made this into a podcast and rather than me trying to tell you about it, let's hear from Kyle. Tell us all about his new show, The Well Balling Podcast. So it's the Mental Well Balling Podcast uh, and it's come about through um, really my own background and my own experiences of mental health, mental health problems. Um, I've had some difficulties throughout my life, but one thing that's always kind of kept me, um, I think grounded is the right word, but just kept me in control is that I've had a really deep understanding of, of all things mental health. I've been able to understand how I feel. Might not be able to react to that properly, but I get it. Um, and it's meant that one, when I've needed to help other people, I can 
I can understand them. And two, I've always wanted to to dig deeper, find out more about all things mental health, find out how I can help other people. Um, and then I did a, a master's last year, um, and when the dissertation came about, uh, I wanted to make that about mental health, and obviously my other interest is football, uh, so I put those two together, uh, and the dissertation went superbly. Um, it got sort of described as a, a unique and major piece of research. Um, that then with a dissertation, it kind of exists to be marked and went away. You couldn't do anything with it, really. Um, so I just thought that I was really proud of it and I wanted to, to use it more effectively. And during the interviews I did for my dissertation, I spoke to Bradley Fritchard and he said, there's a podcast in this. We were having a really long conversation. I think it is just like two hours long. Um, and it was something that's just been in the back of my mind, but I've never really thought... Oh, I know oh, I can't do that. That's not going to work. It's going to be too much, too much to do, too much that I can't do. Um, but then, just a few weeks, the last few weeks, I've not been feeling too great, to be honest. And I thought I really need to give myself something to do, a bit of, bit of purpose. Uh, set about doing it. Asked a few people if they wanted to do it. There were lots of yeses, and it was going to be, oh, I'll do it around the end of January, start of February. But all of a sudden, it, it got going. Um, and, and and yeah, that's that's how it came about. Yeah, it's excellent. Of course, the first episode is already out. The one with with Bradley Pritchard. Um, I, li- I listened to it today. It's really fascinating, isn't it? Um, obviously, for for Charlton fans, it has that Charlton angle, but it's more about football in general, I guess. And 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 Bradley's slightly unusual path to becoming a footballer. And he talks about how that can affect your your mental state, or or, or certainly how it affected his personal one. Yeah, the first thing there is it's it. There's going to be a, a chunk connection with everyone I speak to to begin with, and that's mainly because these are the people that I know. Um, it's quite a, a, a radical thing to sort of make, you know, talking about mental health in football. It is you do need the sort of safety net of having a, 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 a some degree of connection with the person you're speaking to. So to begin with, I think every every interview I've got planned um, for the, let's call it the first series um, is going to be quite. Charlton centric, or at least a person's going to be connected to Charlton, but it is mental health and football. That I'm trying to make that the focus rather than the connection to Charlton. Um, and then the second thing with Ruth Bradley is that he was always going to be the first one, the first interview, because he's got so many bases to cover. He's got that really fascinating journey into professional football, which started with a rejection, um, which started with him thinking, Right, I've had enough of professional football, that's not for me. I'm going to go down another career path because my mental health can't stand up to the pressures of mental of, of, of football. Um, and he had to, as you sort of said, he, he, as part of the journey of, of getting back into professional football, it, it was developing mentally and understanding the pressures and trying to deal with them. Uh, and like I said, it, it's, it's very fascinating. And he's a very intelligent, um, very thoughtful person. And just... He, he said, it's a nice way to set the tone to have someone like that who's got so many angles to cover. Um, so I was very happy that he was the first one. Mm. And of course, men- mental health in football is something that, well, I mean, you said it yourself, there's, there's certainly been strides forward made by clubs over the last few years in, in, in the podcast you said that, but I guess there's still there's still room for improvement and there's still space for these conversations to be had. Well, there's, there's, I mean, there's always room for improvement with, with everything. But I think with this is that mental health in football is that we're starting from nothing. Um, I've spoken to people that have been in the game for a long time um, and 
they're sort of saying that, well, when I was an academy player, when I was growing up, it wasn't spoken about. There was nothing in place to, to, to protect your mental well-being. It wasn't a focus. It wasn't discussed. Um, I mean, the, some of these are sort of people that were in academies 10, 15 years ago, so not necessarily that long, long ago. Um, so I think it's always worth remembering that we are starting from the bottom and that everything we do is a positive step forward. Every single conversation that we have is a positive step forward. Every player that comes out and says, look, I've had this experience, I'm in a better position now and I want to help others, that's fantastic. Um, but now what we need to do is um, clubs and governing bodies and you know things along those lines need to take a degree of control. Um, it's all right sort of clubs promoting a message uh, but it can it can come across sometimes as very much a tick box exercise if they're not actually doing something about it, if they're not delivering um, the message to their players and saying that the, my door's open to have a conversation. If players aren't um, understanding each other and realising that there's more to, to, to each other than just being a footballer, not realising that's themselves as well. If academies aren't spreading a message of, of mental well-being and alleviating the pressure that exists there, um, so I think that, yes, there's definitely been a, a lot of improvement and that has to be celebrated and can't be ignored. Um, so while I'm doing this podcast, I'm not necessarily critiquing um, mental health in football, but I'm celebrating what's happened. Uh, I'm looking at all the ways that uh, someone involved in professional football can have bad mental health experiences uh, and I'm looking at ways that we can go further. Excellent stuff. Now, of course, uh, as I've already mentioned, the first episode is out, Bradley Pritchard. I'm thinking by the time this goes out, the second one should be as well. It's a massive guest you've got lined up. So tell us a little bit about the second episode and, of course, the, the guest you've got to follow over the course of the series. Uh, so I believe that will be coming out uh, on Monday. And it is with... Um, I introduced him as former Charlton skipper, current Charlton assistant manager and all-time Charlton legend, uh, Johnny Jackson. Um, and he, he's really interesting because he's one of those that didn't have those discussions about mental health when he was an academy player when he was growing up. It was something that was not considered. Um, but as he's, as he's developed and as he's, especially as he's uh, gone through the, the process of ending his career and going into management or well, coaching, um, he's realised the, the importance of it. Um, and there's some very interesting things that he says and some interesting things about that, that development cycle, particularly in one of the, the big things that he says that is particularly interesting to me is that he's had to very quickly realise that when you are coaching, you're effectively being a teacher and you've got to understand what each pupil each player needs to help them improve, not just in terms of their you know, performance on the pitch, but their well-being. And not everything that might work for, for Johnny Jackson, the player, works for X player, Y player. So he has to adapt himself to that and understand each individual. Um, so he's that is that to me that's excellent because he's started from that position of nothing of not understanding it but very quickly adapted to it um and i think that's probably going to be the case for most most coaches now that they'll take that on board and make sure that the mental well-being of the players are, are protected and that there's an open door so they can come speak to them if if if, if it is needed Excellent stuff. So, just a reminder, then, Kyle, what's the the podcast called, and where and where can our, our listeners find it? 
It's the Mental Well Balling Podcast on Twitter at Well Balling Pod, uh, on Instagram at Well Balling Pod. Uh, we're on Spotify and we're on Acast. Um, and you can also follow me uh, at K underscore Andrews Photos, uh, which is both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then the, there's an email, which is wellballingpod at gmail.com. Uh, give it a follow, give it a listen. Any questions, send them our way. Born happy to respond to anything. Um, we've got some some good guests line up um, after, after Johnny. Um, there's a little bit of a focus on the academy. Um, we've also got... Uh, also, an uh, interview with uh, Mikhail Kennedy, um, who former Charlton player, whose uh, career was sadly ended uh, by some very serious injuries, and he's gone through a, a quite uh, a heartening story, really, of hitting rock bottom and, and rising back up. So I'd look out for those. Um, and there's some some guests that are are lined up that I won't, won't say names yet because <laughs> you never know with these people and professional football, you don't know how things change, and uh, but. They're, they're people that have said yes, and they're you know first team players, and, and people that have got a lot of experience in the game that can offer interesting insights. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd advise people to listen, not just for my own uh, sense of pride, but because they are, they are interesting. And the more people that are listening, the more conversations that are had, the more eyes that are opened, then the better. There we go. Then thanks to Kyle for giving us a lowdown on his show. Make sure you go and check it out. Uh, download the first episode, and as you heard there, the second episode with uh, the assistant manager, former Addicts captain Johnny Jackson, uh, should be out on Monday morning. So make sure you go and check that one out. Right, we've run out of time on our first Charlton Live of 2021. Thanks for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back. Don't forget on Thursday, I think, for the big match preview of the game against Accrington on Friday. Uh, so make sure you join us for that one. But uh, for now, thanks for listening. Thanks to Tom and to Lewis for joining me. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Good to speak to both of you. Thanks for tuning in, then, and we shall see you again in the week. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.